everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope the content encourages you and helps you build your faith. Now enjoy the message. All right, John chapter 16. This is part of the upper room discourse. Some, some theologians have broken it down. If you break it down, this is part eight. This is the very last part of the upper room discourse. They've already had Passover. They've already had communion together. Jesus has already washed feet. Now Jesus is about to give his disciples some very important instructions on what to do when your life blows up. I heard one slight chuckle, maybe still too close to home, right? What to do when everything goes crazy. When nothing goes according to plan. I'm around a bunch of prophets. You all knew the pandemic was happening, right? You all knew this year was going to blow up. You all knew it was going to make no sense. You all knew you wouldn't be able to figure out what was going on. Jesus is coming to his disciples and he's saying to them, I have some very specific instructions for you. And these instructions are for what is about to come. Now, we have to understand this. Their expectation was not about what was going to happen. They expected Jesus to overthrow Caiaphas, become the high priest, to usher in an earthly kingdom, push out Roman rule, and the children of Israel would raise to the prominent religious nation again, right? That was their expectation. That's what they were thinking was going to happen. Jesus is saying, I have something different for you. And because I have something different for you, I'm going to prepare you for it. What do you do when something doesn't go according to plan? What do you do when something happens in your life that completely disorients everything you know to be life? What do you do when you start the year, 2020, clear vision, it's going to be great, and end the year with a mask on your face, socially distanced in church? What do you do when it doesn't make sense? What do you do when you're disoriented? Let me, let me finish where we're going to end. I'll start, I'll start with where we're going to finish. It's John 16, verse 33. This is the purpose of what Jesus is about to teach, okay? Here it is for you. He says, I have told you all this. What is all this? All this is what we're about to cover. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Why did he tell them everything that he told them? So that you may have peace. I want you to have peace. I need you to have peace. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. I, uh, on Fridays... That's my day off. I I try to do very, very little. I Sabbath on Fridays into Saturday morning breakfast. So Friday morning, I wake up. I take my kids to school. Uh, I love taking them to school. Drop them off. Anna and I run a few errands. We go to a nice lunch. And then I pick my kids up after school. Uh, And after I pick them, they're so excited. Friday's dad picks them up in the minivan. And so dad picks up the kids from school. And uh, we go to Chick-fil-A. And by the way, what, what is the deal with every parent in the world going to Chick-fil-A uh, after school at 3 o'clock. Like, it's crazy. There's, there's 900 cars at Chick-fil-A at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I, I still can't figure that out. I guess I'm one of them, but, it, but I got the app, so I only have to wait for like 200 cars and not 900 cars, right? But we go to Chick-fil-A, we have Chick-fil-A, and then we head home. 
Uh, and so I go to pick up my son. I pick up my son first, and he had his jingle bell run. He had his class cookie decorating. He had all of this, these fun things that he did, right? So after he did all of his fun stuff, he was exhausted. He gets in the car within two minutes. I mean, we didn't make it out of the parking lot. He's passed out. He just just dead asleep in the back of the car. So I go, I pick up Zion, bring Zion. I take up Canaan and Zion. I go to Chick-fil-A. I wait an hour, and then I finally get the, the Christian chicken that everybody wants at three, right? And so I, I, Zion eats her, her food, and she just hammers it down. I go home, pull into the driveway. Zion gets out of the car. She goes inside. Canaan is still asleep. He's passed out asleep. So I'm like, uh, I'll let him sleep. He's a grouch when he doesn't get his nap time in anyways. So he's, he's sleeping back there, and I'm just sitting in the car. I'm scrolling my phone, waiting. About 30 minutes later, he wakes up. You know what it feels like to wake up somewhere you, you, don't, you don't remember being there, right? He wakes up. For, I mean, he, he starts to, Dad! He said, Dad! Dad! I said, what, bud? I'm like, oh, what happened? You know, your toes and fingers all intact. He said, Dad! He said, did I go to school today, Dad? And I said, oh, no, bud, no. No. <laughs> I said, no, you, you didn't. You're still in the car. And he said, Dad. He looked. He said, no. He said, Dad, my stuff's here. And then he said, Dad. He said, Dad, we forgot Zion. We didn't pick her up, Dad. And I said, oh, no. What do we do, Bob? And he said, Dad, what do, what do we do? And so I got him out of the seat, and he runs inside, and he says, Mommy, Mommy. He said, we forgot to pick up Zion. And, and I'm like, and Anna's like, oh, no. You're like, what are we going to do? Like, what's gonna... And he is, he's so disoriented. He's so, he's like, what has happened? He woke up so confused. He had no idea what was going on. Then his sister starts coming down the stairs, and then he's even more messed up, right? He's like, wait, what is happening? It's, I mean, it was literally like a little pastoral moment where I was like, son, some things aren't as always as they seem. You know, this is not really what happened. You woke up disoriented. But what do we do when we wake up one day and life is completely disoriented? What do we do when we look at our life right now and say, life is completely opposite of what I expected it to be? Let me, let me change the question. The question is not, what do I do? The question is, how do I keep my peace when everything else has been blown up? How do I keep my peace when nothing makes sense, when I have been released from my job, when my hours have been cut, when a family member has gotten the virus and they're incredibly sick and I have no idea what's going on and the world is filled with certainty and we don't know who's going to be the president and we don't know what's happening. Like, how do I keep my peace when everything is going nuts? It's what Jesus is talking about in John chapter 16. He starts in the form of a conversation. He goes to his disciples. He says, I want to have a conversation with you. This is the upper room discourse. He says in John 16, 16 through 19, In a little while, you won't see me anymore. But a little while later after that, you will see me again. Verse 17, some of the disciples asked each other, what does he mean when he says, in a little while you won't see me, but then you will see me, and I'm going to the Father, and what does he mean by a little while we don't understand? Again, remember, their expectation was 2020 was going to be the best year of their life, <laughs> right? 
Their expectation was the economy is going to boom. Everything's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. We're going to celebrate. Their expectation was 2020 was going to be the greatest year of their life. No, their expectation was the earthly reign of Christ was going to be incredible. They were going to be part of the team. Everyone was going to celebrate them. They would prance around in victory as Jesus reigned on earth, right? That was their expectation. So now that he says, I'm going to go away, and then when I go away, I'm going to come back, they're saying, what on earth is this guy talking about right now? None of this makes sense. How are we supposed to make sense of it? And then Jesus engages them in a conversation, and he lays down three foundations for keeping your peace when nothing makes sense. He lays down three foundations for if you want peace, if you need to keep your peace when nothing makes sense and you can't comprehend the why question, what do I do? How do I maintain it? There are three things, joy, intimacy, and victory. The three things Jesus lays out, John chapter 16, are joy, intimacy, and victory. Let's jump into the first one, joy. John 16, 20 through 24. He says, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen, but the world will rejoice. He's talking about death, crucifixion, resurrection. He's saying, you will weep and mourn, but the world's going to celebrate this. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. Aren't you thankful that our God has the ability to turn grief to joy? Oh, what? More than two people wake up this morning. Aren't you thankful that our God has the ability to turn grief to joy? Grief to joy, he says. You will, you will be upset for a little while, but it will turn grief to joy. Verse 20, it will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. That hits a little too close to home right now. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. Verse 22. So you will have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. All that time you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. Verse 24, you haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. There are three things Jesus outlines in his first exhortation to, to walk in this peace. How do you walk in peace? You walk in peace because you have joy. What do we know about this joy? This joy turns sorrows to joy. It turns grief to joy. It can't be taken away, and it's accessible. You can access it through the Father. So uh, he uses the illustration of a baby being born, right? A mother giving birth. Now, this was pre-epidural. You get that, right? This was pre-doula, uh, who gives you the perfect diet to have a small, easy birth, right? This was pre-birthing centers that are just modeled and crafted for you to have the most wonderful experience during the most painful session of your life. This is pre-essential oils that are just, outside of Jesus, the most miraculously healing thing in the world, right? 
put them on your belly, put them in the air, you just make, makes everything wonderful. No, no, this is, this was, this was find a barn, lay on some hay, have yourself a bay bay, right? That's what we're talking about here. That's what's happening right here. And yet Jesus uses this illustration. Like I said, it hits a little too close to home. Um, our, our third child, Zadok, you met him today. I remember when Anna, her water broke and she went into labor. Um, she, she was like, okay, I want to labor at home as long as I can. Five minutes later, she was on her hands and knees saying, get me to the hospital now. So we loaded her up and we got to the hospital. When we got there, we got in the doctor, said, oh my goodness, you're at a five. And we were like, okay, let's go. Fifteen minutes later, the doctor said, whoa, you're at a seven. This is happening fast. Another 15 minutes. She said, you're an eight going on a nine. We're about to have a baby. And Anna's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's all that I remember. And then all of a sudden, the, the doctor said, hey, you're too far along to get any sort of medication. She's like, oh, no. <laughs> Say it's not true, <laughs> you know. Are you serious? And he said, like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're too far along. You're having this baby right now. Now, <clears throat> to my defense, she asked me, to, to, to take pictures and to record all the moments and everything for her. She asked me to do that when, when like things were good before she went into labor. She was like, hey, take a bunch of pictures. I want all this. So I remember this moment where I was leaning down next to her and I had my phone and I was like, hey, honey, look up at me. Look up at me. Look up at me. And she was on her side and she looked up like this. And I went, and I snapped it. And I said, hey, babe, check this out. And I was showing her. And she said, honey, she said, honey, come here. I said, okay. And she said, hey. She said, get out of my face. <laughs> I said, you wanted pictures. Like, what did, you, what did you want me to do? And then after something amazing happened, right? We go from like a screamo metal song where it's just, you know, to all of a sudden, the moment the baby is here and the baby hits her chest, she's, oh, he's so beautiful. I love him so much, Luke. Look at him. Oh, he's precious, right? He's incredible. Oh, my, this, this is so wonderful. And I'm like, who are you now? Like, do you not realize what we just went through, right? What is it? Within a week of having this baby, you know, she's telling me mid-labor, what have you done to me? You know, like, whoa, I can't do this. This is so bad. Ten pounds, three ounces later, she's like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. We're at home, and she's talking to me about number four. I'm like, do you know what you put me through last week? <laughs> do you not remember? What? But what happened was the joy of receiving the child overshadowed the process of getting there. Will the spirit of a mama bear witness to this this morning? The joy of holding that child 
far outweighed the process of pain, of difficulty, of challenge to get to holding that child. What is Jesus giving an illustration of when he talks about peace? He's saying you may go through pain, the deepest, most hurtful pain of your life. You may experience difficulty and you may not understand why, but I can promise you this, when you receive the gift of peace, it will overshadow everything that you went through to get here. That's what peace looks like. That's what peace looks like during this time of year. You're not going to understand it. Everything's going to not, it's going to be blown up and it's not going to make sense. And you'll never answer the question why. But you, once you receive that peace that comes from him, you will have joy. Joy that far outweighs anything you have to go through to get to it. Number two, talks about intimacy. John 16, 25 through 28. He says, I have spoken of these matters in figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name, catch this, and I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. He's reiterating John 16, 23. He said, at that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. John chapter 14, Jesus says, if you love me, you love the Father. John 10, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. He's saying, because you have intimacy with the Father through me, you will have access. Through me, you have peace that transcends understanding. You have peace that will get you through trial because you have direct access to God through the Son. He's saying you have so much access that you don't, I don't even have to make the request for you. When you ask of him, he hears you because you love me. He's saying you have a newfound intimacy because I go away and because I come back again that you can live in peace. You can have peace. I'll illustrate it for you. My daughter loves horses. It has become a daddy-daughter thing. I, I love it. Uh, I'll make time for anything in my schedule. I'll remove anything in my schedule to make time to take her to horses. It's, it's our thing. I absolutely love it. I've never seen my child come more alive than when she sits on a horse. And so uh, she was doing a horse camp at Panther Creek Inspirational, Inspiration Ranch. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. And she's at this horse camp, and she's participating, and she's loving it. And I show up at one to pick her up. And when I got there, they were like, oh, my goodness, she's having the most wonderful day. I was like, oh, I, I love to hear that. And they said, you know, we have an afternoon session as well from one to four, but uh, her volunteer that's, that's with her is leaving. And I was like, oh, man, that's too bad. And they said, you know, you, you know, you could be her volunteer. And I was like, what? You know, I'll pay for it and I'll drop her off. But what did you just say? And, and then I was like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know right now. I mean, I, I don't know if it's going to work. And she was like, no, 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 you know, um, Zion's had probably the best day of her life. <laughs> really? 
you going to guilt trip me using my own daughter, right? I'm like, really? Okay, fine. I'll be the volunteer. Now, uh, I learned something very important. I I learned why cowboys don't wear skinny britches and sneakers to the barn, right? I'm in skinny britches. I'm in sneakers. I've got product in my hair. And I get out there in the middle of summer in July, and I was sweating so bad I was going blind because the stuff from my hair was getting in my eyes. I had dust and sand and everything all over me. I was covered in everything. But I want to tell you something. I walked around a barn. I ruined one of my favorite pairs of sneakers, and I was miserable myself because of the joy that it brought my daughter, to see her living in her absolute dream. What happened in that scenario? They got access to me through her. All they had to do was tell me how much it blessed her. I tell people this all the time. Bless me, that's great. You bless my kids and whatever you want from me, it's yours. Parents, am I right? You love my kids. Woo! You, you loving on me is great. Why do I love Cece and why do I love Nikisha? Why would I do anything for them? Because they bless my kids. They love on my kids. They care for my kids. I'll do anything for somebody who loves on my kids. We get access to the Father. We get intimacy with the Father. We live in peace with the Father because of the Son, because He went away, because He paved the way for access, because He came back. How do we have peace when nothing makes sense? Because Jesus has brought us into intimacy with the Father. That I know he's with me. And I know walking with him that I'm walking with the prince of peace. And I'm walking with the king of peace. Because I'm walking with Jesus. And because he went away. And because he came back. I have intimacy with the father. And then he finishes here. With victory. Probably my my favorite piece. John 16, 29-33. It says, then his disciples said, at last you are speaking plainly and not figuratively. Verse 30, listen to this. Now we understand that you know everything and there's no need to question you. From this, we believe that you came from God. Verse 31, Jesus, it's a negative interjection. He's rebuking them. In other translations, behold, behold. They said, behold, now we understand. And Jesus says, behold, do you really think you do? Oh, now you know what's going on. Listen to him. In In John 16, 31, Jesus asked, do you finally believe? Oh, you got this all figured out now? Verse 32, listen to his rebuke. But the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when you will be scattered each one of you going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Isn't that incredible? That they finally come to a place where they say, hey, we got it all figured out. And Jesus says, you have no idea what you're talking about. Why does he rebuke them in this moment? Why does he rebuke them in the moment where they finally think they got it? Why does he challenge them with the idea that they have no idea whatsoever? I'll tell you why. Because peace is not based on your understanding and peace is not based on your control. Peace is based on trust. He said, you you think you know what's happening. You have no idea. You think you can control everything. You have no idea. You will run from me. 
you will leave me alone. It's not based on your understanding. It's not based on your control. It's based on trust. We spend our lives miserable trying to control everything. Trying to understand the why to something that happened and it robs our peace. And here Jesus is saying, you will not get peace thinking you know everything that's happening. You will not get peace trying to understand everything. You will get peace when you trust me in the midst of it. When you put your trust in me, and then he continues on, verse 33. Here's the home run. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. I just told you you have no idea what's going on so that you can have peace, so that you can live in peace. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. There it is. That's our peace. Our peace is not in control. Our peace is not in understanding. Our peace is not in thinking we know everything. Our peace is in knowing the one who has overcome the world. Our peace is in knowing the one who is victorious. Our peace is in knowing the one that we can trust when we don't understand and when we can't control. I'll tell you, just to be real transparent with you, um, forgive me if I get a little silly during this story. I've been debating whether or not to tell you, but I figured it just connects with where we're at here. Uh, my daughter was having a really rough night a couple nights ago, just uh, really, really, really upset. And there are moments in her life, and I, I take probably too much pride in this, there are moments in her life where I'm the only one that can calm her down. I'm the only person that can settle her down and bring her peace. So I went up to her room, and I laid with her for about an hour in her bed. I finally got her calmed down. I finally got her to a place of peace. And I lay there with her, and I pray over her and pat her when I, when I get her finally calmed down. So I'm laying with her, and I'm praying over her. And, and I know this to be, to be uh, said often, and, and I, I have no clue what it would be like. I know they say the worst pain in the world is for a child to pass away before their parents. I, I, I could not imagine, I could not imagine what that would be like to go through. But in my own fleshly mind, I was laying there and I was patting her and I was thinking to myself, and again, this is, this is just my own selfish, sinful nature. I was thinking, you know, I know the hardest thing in the world would be to walk through the death of a child, but there's part of me that just wishes that she would go before me so that I could make sure that every moment of her life I spent trying to give her the best possible quality of life. I remember thinking that. I was thinking, look, if, if she passed away, then I would know, okay, I spent every waking moment of my life doing everything I could to give her the best quality of life because it's terrifying to think about passing away and, and your children. What, 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 what will happen to my kids? Like, who, I know you all will love all my kids, and I know you, you tell you, but I, I just, I have that, that's a fear. That's an unhealthy fear that I have. So I'm laying there, and I'm just thinking about this in my mind, and I'm praying, and I'm asking the Lord to just bring peace to this, and the Lord spoke so clearly to my heart. Are you so arrogant that you think you have to control every waking moment of your child's life. You can't. You can't. And your wishes may not happen, but your child is mine. 
and I've overcome the world. And I can take care of your child better than you can. And I can look after your child better than you can. And I can ensure their future better than you can. And I can put my hand upon them and do greater things than you could ever control or manufacture or orchestrate in your life. So Luke, your peace is not about what you can control. Your peace is about who you trust in. And I will tell you something. I got up from that bed and I got up from praying and patting her, and I walked out of there, and I said, Lord, once again, I have to do this all the time, that child is yours, and I slept like a baby. I had peace that transcends my understanding. I had peace that transcends my control, because my peace is not based on what I can control, and my peace is not based on what I understand. My peace is based on the one who has overcome the world. Everybody, thanks again for joining us. We believe God has something great for your life, and we hope this message encourages you to take the next step in your faith. Have a great week.